All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Atkins Family Podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Atkins, and I'm accompanied by my lovely co-host, Takia Atkins. And today we will be talking about the 10 myths of marriage. All right, so with this topic, uh, Takia came up with this one once again, so I guess I'll let her talk about where she got it from and how she wanted to bring it to the podcast. Um, hmm. So this one, same thing. I think I was just thinking about, um, I'm always thinking about things that we can talk to people about to kind of help them in their marriage. And there are a lot of uh, misconceptions or myths, lies, you choose the word, um, that, people come into marriage with that uh and these the reason why i think it was important to touch on these because these are um probably some of the most damaging things in marriage and if you believe that this is a sign that your your marriage is a failure or your marriage won't work uh then you'll be less uh tempted to try and work through things that are absolutely normal I think uh, one of the goals of our podcast is to let you know that um, everything isn't peaches and cream and the stuff you're going through isn't abnormal because we talked to a bunch of other couples and they all go through the same stuff. So um, this was to go ahead and just go ahead and kill some stuff head on that people believe is uh, true about marriage and that that's not. Exactly. So. The article we shall be referencing is an article from Crosswalk.com. We don't know if this is a Christian publication necessarily, but this article specifically is a uh, Christian article for lack of better phraseology. And uh, the article uh, reads 10 lies the world tells you about marriage written by Debbie McDaniel. And uh, I guess we'll just get straight into the list. Um, I think it's good to just remember, like, the reason why we uh, try to debunk ideas like this and try to push back against negative ideology around marriage is because we believe that marriage is a good thing. And we believe that people should be trying to figure out ways and reasons to stay in marriage rather than reasons to exit marriage. Anything that God creates and has ordained for us to do is good. And I really find it in my heart to push back against negative um, ideas surrounding marriage. So if we go into the first uh, point, let's get to the list. Number one, if you're not compatible, you may have married the wrong person. How do you feel about that to you? That, <clears throat> I think that's seriously one of the things that, we had to deal with. So I know it's not true. <laughs> so you think we're not compatible? Oh, uh, well, I mean, now I think there, there are ways to see uh, how we balance each other out. However, in the beginning, I think it was really just like, wow, we are extremely like, well, maybe I'm looking at compatible, like different, like we're extremely different. Um, and in some ways, I think we even had some people who were scared because of how 
not compatible we are. Yeah, or how not compatible they may have perceived us to be. Yeah. I think one of the misconceptions is people believe that being different makes you incompatible. Um, I really don't like that word necessarily, but I guess since that's the word that the list used, then that's just the active verb we have for right now or adjective. We'll yeah. go with that. But um, being different doesn't make you incompatible. Uh, even necessarily being opposites doesn't make you incompatible. Yeah. Now, I won't go as far as to go with the old you know, um, common phrase of opposites attract. Uh, I don't want to say that you should be completely opposite from your spouse in things, especially major things regarding like spirit- spirituality and uh, um, family raising values, things like that. But I will say is differences are a beautiful chance. Once again, here comes that ill word for you to love your spouse <laughs> just like Christ loved the church. And in our case, differences have been the opportunity for us to grow together in Christ and grow together as a couple. And we're not talking about physical things, we're talking about spiritual, emotional growth <laughs> that has taken place because of the very differences that we have that some people may have believed would make us incompatible and not a good fit for marriage um, to just each other to each other <laughs> right um, maybe they believe that we could get married to somebody else but we they didn't believe that the person that we decided to marry would be the right person for us yeah. and I think simply 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 once you get married that's who you marry there is no more debate of whether that is the wrong or right person for you to marry that is the person that you have committed yourself before God to that is the person that God has allowed you for you to join in a union with. And if you have the right attitude and perspective on marriage, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and if your spouse will allow the Holy Spirit to work in them, it doesn't matter who you marry. Because if we are submitted to God, the marriage shall be successful because we're both going by the principles that God has laid out for us. Tell exactly. me I lie. <clears throat> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, compatibility or differences. I think one of the biggest things we talk about all the time, I'm a talker. Uh, ben is not. I am. Uh, I, I've come up with, the, I guess, the way I, I'll define myself. And, it, and it's not a bad thing, but I'm very aggressive uh, when it comes to certain things. Ben is chill. Um, and, and it's even it's shown in in. in uh, in other environments, uh, the way we parent is extremely different. Uh, and it was through parenting that I really started to learn that differences are good. Aubrey doesn't need two moms. She needs a mom and a dad. And so uh, marriages don't need two wives. It needs a wife and a husband. Um, and the same vice versa. So your personalities and how you handle things and how you look at things does not have to be the same. I, I would honestly say um, I th- it, we were riding down the street yesterday and it was something that Ben, oh, Ben was <clears throat> alluding to some things about me and my career and, and, and certain cho- choices I would make and how if we were in the same field, um, I would be one of those people that would be on him all the time about doing what he's supposed to do. And it made me laugh because it's like, that's, that's literally just how we work. Even in our household, it's just. She swear. <laughs> Somebody's mama. Yeah, well, yeah. So it, it that's that's how we work, and uh, I think we've settled into a good place where our differences uh, 
really help us. And I think with, with some people, instead of, I think in the beginning, we were, there was a <clears throat> trying to change each other or um, trying to get someone to come more to, to your side of how things work. Instead of just accepting who the person is and figuring out, I think uh, in marriage, one of the things is we spend a lot of time trying to um, change things instead of figuring out now bad stuff needs to change but instead of figuring out how to uh live with what you have right now exactly i like to view it as two puzzle pieces the spouse if a spouse is supposed to fit with you they can't be the exact same puzzle piece they gotta lack exactly what you have so it fits together and make yeah. you know one whole piece yeah so in those cases where you may feel like, oh, we're incompatible, incompatible in what ways? For example, now we're always going to go back to the talking one. It's just the easiest one to bring up. But yeah. we balance each other out. Yeah. Uh, on next week, now, we used to talk about parenting. She, uh, I wouldn't say much more, is much more hands on, but I guess um, simply because she's like, the primary caregiver simply because I'm at work most of the time. Like she is on 24 mm-hmm. seven. Whenever Aubrey cry, she there. Whenever Aubrey sneeze, she looking mm-hmm. me. I'm like, let the baby chill. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that girl. <laughs> she said, no, it's something wrong. If, if she making noise, it's something wrong. See, you don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. It's oh, something wrong with I'm, the baby. I'm usually right. Say here, go. Yeah, it's the truth. Okay, we're gonna let her believe that. But ultimately, <laughs> at the end of the day, ain't nothing happened uh, to Aubrey while she was in my possession. No. She made Takia may believe that. Uh, no. Uh, she just overall is less. Uh, Less happy when she with you. You gonna have my baby crying all day if I leave her with you for too long. Taki may believe that, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we gonna be all right. Yeah, all right. Just a disclaimer. I'm I'm extremely hands on when it comes to my child. So any sudden movements, any cries, I'm gonna be right there. And some would call that spoiled. I call that just being the mom that I've chosen to be. So exactly. So in those cases, guess what we got to do? We got to let go and let the other person be their best self. Okay. That's what we got to do. And in in these cases of differences, we just need to recognize the beauty and the differences between two different, between two individuals. These differences do not have to be the things that draw us farther apart, but they can be the very things that draw us closer. And let's talk about things like interests as far as hobbies and whatnot. Mm. Takia like to watch Grey's Anatomy all day. Mm. <laughs> I like to watch YouTube videos about random stuff. Like, I can go anywhere from watching YouTube videos about elephants and water mm-hmm. to Trump. You know, it don't it don't matter. The next the next thing I'm watching YouTube videos about people sharpening knives. Literally, just a dude sharpening knives. Takia don't like that. <laughs> I know she don't. <laughs> But when I'm doing that, she on her phone. We watching Grey's. When she watching Grey's, I'm on my phone. Sometimes we just watch what the other person watch. But yeah. we also have viewing material that both of us like to watch. And there's one thing I've noticed. Takia like watching children's movies and like PG movies and just movies like family <laughs> movies, romance movies. 
all these type of movies that I, before I met her, just were adamantly and staunchly against. <laughs> I thought all these movies were terrible and I was going to hate them. And that is not the case. <laughs> I've given these movies a chance that Takia has recommended. And I would say at least 50% of the time, I like the movie. It's only one movie you didn't like. Here you go. It was that. Uh, maybe maybe it was just because I ain't say nothing. But anyway. No, you always come back and be like, yeah, that actually wasn't bad. I say at least 50%. So they gave her a whole range. But you see, she stuck on the fact that it was 50. She wanted maybe like at least 99%. Yeah, exactly. See? But it's all good. Difference. <laughs> Let bygones be bygones. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Uh, and our differences. Uh, ben watches a lot of stuff that I used to think was completely foolish. Um, I'm really not a politics person. I'm really not. Um, it's It's a lot of stuff that I feel like people should just leave alone because it it brings more, uh, well, for me, since I'm not chill, it just, it make me want to break the TV and he just be sitting there getting inv um, information. Um, I mean, anywhere from just, uh, I guess some of the content is uh, interesting uh, so that he can get the other side of, of people's views. Um, and that actually has become interesting to me. Now he go far left. I don't really, I'd be ready to break the TV. Right. I mean, um, I'll essentially see y'all people that... <laughs> Most Christians will say it's crazy. Yeah, you don't need to listen to nothing he's yeah. saying. <laughs> I don't. I'm. I'm just interested in hearing different point of views. Yeah. I mean, I listen to people who uh, justify slavery. I listen to people who justify racism. I listen to people who support the LGBT movement. I, I listen to all these things. Yeah. Just because I listen to it, I mean, I agree with it, yeah. but it genuinely interests me yeah. hearing this point of view. And I think in the beginning for me, it was kind of scary because I'm like, OK, do you support this stuff? Because who wants to sit here and keep listening to it? But then I realized it really is good to know the arguments of the other side. It really is good to. And I think that's a part of where um, I started to see. That's a part of, I believe, where his compassion comes from, because when you really start listening to these other people, you start to realize that just like you think you right, they think they right. And I think it's just it's good. So that was one of the. A ways where maybe we weren't as compatible um, that actually turned out to be something beautiful when we both, like he said, came to the other side and gave the other person stuff a try. Now, with the movies, like he said, 50 percent of the time he like it, 50 percent of the time he don't. With the videos, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I want to break the TV. 75 so, percent of the time she don't. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> we have learned to make our differences work for us. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to like everything the other person likes, but we have found ways to um, meet each other in the middle. And then when we don't, when we don't want to do what the other person is doing, or it's not necessarily uh, something where we think we need to be invested in, we go on our, our, our own way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Go our merry way. Keep it pushing. Exactly. Man, it was something else I was thinking about that. Now I'm drawing a blank. I can't <laughs> even think about the other difference I was going to bring up. But yeah, folks, just because you think you married the wrong person don't mean you married the wrong person. Y'all got married. <laughs> what God has joined together, let no one separate. You better figure it out. Yep. Work it out. Y'all know the song. I'm not going to uh, burn your ears. You know, Takiya ain't going to let me hear the last of it. Exactly. Anyway, number two, the grass is greener on the other side. Divorce. 
<laughs> but if that ain't a lie, that's a lie. Okay. The grass is greener on whatever side is getting taken care of. Okay. Mm. And let me tell you this. Everybody think the grass is green on the other side, but all it is, it's just some old dead grass. Okay. <laughs> like if the issues that you have in your marriage, if you don't solve them there, you're just going to bring them into the next marriage. So you got people who get divorced, going to the next marriage for a little bit. It may be peaches and cream and then those same issues arise. Or you got people who get divorced and realize that they could have worked out those issues with their last spouse. Or you got people who get divorced <laughs> and then they wait a whole long time. This whole time they go to therapy. They done went got healed up. They done, before they got married again, they, they do premarital counseling. They do all these things that are taking care of the grass. And they notice they have significantly different issues. I won't say less. They have significantly different issues that they believe that they're able to handle now. When the difference was the actions taken to take care of the marriage. There you go. Not the actual switching of the person. So I think. We need to stop finding ways to run and hide from the marriage and get in there and fight. Yeah, I think uh, uh, reading Sacred Marriage, a book by I think it's Gary Thomas. uh, He said you will not every every person you find is a person who has been affected by sin. Uh, People have been affected different ways. Uh, Ben, I think. Well, I'll say this for me coming into our relationship, I probably had three previous relationships. And so then I got married. And what I realized is all you're doing is trading off issues <laughs> like you. You look at this person, you say, all right, I don't like those issues. Let me go find somebody new. And then you realize, oh, no, that's issues over here, too. So it's the same thing with marriage. Those of us who. You know, we we're married to our spouse and we look at their set of issues and we think, oh, I don't like that. So literally what you're saying is, I don't like those issues. Let me go find some new ones. Because you're not going to find the perfect person. They don't exist. Exactly. I like that. I like exactly what she said. It's a simple trade off. You're trading off one set of issues for another set of issues. So I hope the next set of issues you find you're able to live with because you've already shown a lack of ability to live with one person's set of issues. Let's be real. It's a lack of commitment. Most of us don't know how to commit. And so uh, when it comes to divorce, that's the easy out. It's like it's it's such an easy button to push. And here's the thing. Anything that's easy, I would question. I mean, you ever heard the saying anything that's worth it is hard or something worth having? Yeah, something like that. Butchered that whole scene. But you get the point. If it's worth having, it's going to be hard to do or whatever. Maintain. Maintain. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I think people, I like what you said about uh, where where you take care of the grass. You're not going to find a marriage that that doesn't need to be taken care of. We just don't like doing the work. Movies have taught us that, oh, this person should just know what I want and know what I need and and know how to... uh, uh, get it without me saying anything no marriage takes work consist especially when you want a long marriage it's almost like a car you don't not take your car to get an oil change you don't not change your tires you don't not uh 
do all the things that it requires to to keep your car in good shape and and maintain the good quality of it. You got to do the same thing in marriage. Exactly. We're talking about regular oil changes, lots and lots of maintenance. Marriage is hard work. Marriage is heart work. Okay. Like, but if you stick together and you stay with God, you can definitely get the work done. Ultimately, that's what you have to lean on in times of crisis. You got to lean on the person who created marriage. You got to lean on the foundation of your faith. This is all the same person, right? And if we go to him, one thing I can tell you, nine times out of ten, the Bible will not lead you to divorce. The Bible is going to lead you to trying to work it out with your spouse. I mean, there were so many instances. Like, what was in uh, the Church of Corinth? Paul wrote to um, to the parishioners there about uh, if the spouse is willing to at least stay in your house, then you should stay married. Yeah. Like the 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 big thing is to try to work it out and love the other person. That's always that should always be the first step. Now understand everybody got special issues, right? It'll be the what about what about what about crowd. Well, you sit down with your spiritual leadership. You sit down with the word. And hopefully you come to the right conclusion. But for the most part, people is getting out of these marriages for things that can be worked out if you sit down and do the work over a period of time. For some people, that period of time is five, 10 years, 15 Mm. years. Are you willing to actually do that amount of work? 20 years, 25 years. What if the last five years of your marriage out of a 40 year marriage is the years where you start seeing the fruits of your labor? I mean, when we look at the vows that we take till death do us part through the good and the bad. I mean, I think a lot of times when we say those words, we just say them because that's what should be said. That's what what that's what has normally been said in, in marriage vows traditionally. But if you don't mean it, you don't, don't say that at your marriage. Just be like, I'm going to do it as long as I can do it. But <laughs> as soon as you get on my nerves, I'm going to leave you. That's simply, that's, that's exactly what's going on. As soon as you get my nerves, I'm going to leave you. Or as soon as I can't take your mess no more, even if I endure it 15 years, uh, nah, that 16th year, I got to go. So, I mean, that's, that's what I suggest because we can't, when it comes to that till death do us part, people, people have a hard time with that, boy, I tell you. Hard time. Exactly. And I, and, and for me, I, I am very understanding. So don't, I don't want to sit here and act like I'm holier than thou or I don't want to speak from a perspective of, of righteousness. But I'm just speaking what the Bible say. It, it wants you to try to work it out as much as possible. Christ loved the church. He died for husbands. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So you got to make sure you give yourself up for your spouse. Simple. Number three, if you're not happy, don't stay in, stay in an unhappy situation. You deserve more. Ooh. I mean, bless your bubble. That's the biggest lie ever. And all your friends that's telling you that. You need to get away from them. Are they are they divorced? 
Are they married? Are they? Yeah, like I was about to say, are they even married? What's the longest relationship they had? Exactly. When it comes to these marriage relationships, most definitely believe marriage does bring happiness, but that is not always the case. And to get to that happy point, like you see some of these couples who've been together 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years. They all will have a testimony of a rough patch in their marriage mm. that felt like hell on earth. <laughs> and they thought that they was about to give up. But God brought them out of that desolate place into a place that they are now. And you see that place that they are now and you comparing yourself while you in the valley Ooh. to the person at the hilltop. Yeah, it, it's crazy because uh, one of the couples or, or one of the people that we talk to uh, a lot, her marriage is so beautiful now. But that's not how it always was. It, it took both of them individually working on themselves and then coming together and working on the marriage. There was a time when all the stuff they do now, they didn't used to do. And I think that's the thing. People really think you're about to come into a marriage and, and both of y'all automatically going to know how to live with each other, treat each other, talk to each other. No. It, it, it's, it, 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 it's done over time. And so we have to stop lying to ourselves about things that should be when in actuality, these are things that have to be taught. Exactly. And these, excuse me, these things that have to be taught, right? These things that you have to learn, a lot of times people have to learn these things in marriage. And like Takiya said, people learn at different rates. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, this is the process of sanctification. Marriage is designed ultimately to transform you into the image of God. That is why the relationship and I'm going to keep repeating it because that's what the Bible says. So I'm going to beat you over the head with that mm -hmm. because <laughs> it is designed to transform you into the image of him through this process of sanctification. And I believe that the marriage, the vehicle of marriage in the process of sanctification is one of the hardest processes to go through because it is one that you cannot avoid. Uh, that person going to look at you every day. Mm -hmm. You have kids with this person. Your kids are a product of the marriage. You're the ma like who you marry is the second most important decision in your life outside of your decision to follow Christ. It's like that person is going to drastically affect outcomes in your future. And, and in this case, just because you may not be happy in the moment, you may have not been happy the last 10 years. That is not an excuse to get out of marriage. The last podcast, we talked about love, marriage type of love. And we talked about how marriage has been often coined as long suffering. And I don't think people want to go through that suffering. No, I mean... The Bible even speaks to, you know, when you're suffering, you're closest to Christ because you're sharing in the suffering that Christ endured on the cross. So when you're uh, feeling unhappy and you're angry, you're dissatisfied with life and dissatisfied with your spouse and even potentially dissatisfied with God in the in the situation that you believe God has put you in. I think we need to have a very thorough and robust 
theology around suffering and around marriage. Because if we have the right point of view in marriage in those times of suffering, it does not make it easy, but it should ultimately lead us back to our spouse because we believe that these times of suffering bring us closer to Christ. We also believe that marriage is designed to grow us and sanctify us, ultimately transforming us into the image of him. We believe that marriage has been um, compared to the relationship that Christ has with the church. And we know ultimately Christ died for the church. All these things. All right. And along with marriage, there are a lot of good things. Marriage is the vehicle that we have been given to create families and reproduce and multiply. Mm -hmm. But we must have the entire picture. And marriage is not just about happiness. Yeah. Mar happiness isn't even the first reason for marriage. Please don't let even don't let don't you. I would honestly say. Don't even put it on your list. Uh, and, and the reason why I say this is because happiness is fleeting. It's, it's not something that stays because it changes based on how we're being treated, what's going on. Um, you're not always going to be happy. And, and uh, sacred marriage, the, the whole the tagline for that book was what if marriage was created not to make us happy, but to make us holy? Holy. So this this man has been married for years and figured out the key to sustaining his marriage. Stop looking for happiness and look for holiness. And I think when you really break it down, if we are who we say we are as Bible believing, Jesus Christ following faith keepers. Right. If we really believe that we are Christians, the act of suffering as Christ suffered, the act of following the words and tenets of the Bible, even when it doesn't feel good, should lead us to a level of peace and happiness in Christ, which is our ultimate rock. In those times, those hard times, if we're leaning back on God, that should be the ultimate source of happiness because he will not change. That is another thing that I fully believe. Like the foundation of your marriage should be God. It should be Jesus Christ. It should be the fact that both of you guys are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is the ultimate reason why it has to work. Because God does not change and God's plan is perfect. While we are imperfect, God is perfect. So in those times where you don't feel happy, make sure you reprioritize where your happiness should be coming from in the first place. I think that is one of the biggest things that has helped me in my walk, not only with Christ, but my walk with Takia here on earth, making sure that the priorities are set straight. And the outlook of where certain things should be coming from is in its proper order. I always like to um, draw the picture of the marriage relationship should be similar to the cross. Uh, as far as two individuals who have a relationship with God, that's the post that's in the ground, up and down, the foundation of the cross, which is, you know, pinned in the ground, it's up and down. So it's you and God. 
And then the relationship with you and man, your spouse is left and right. The left and right post is attached to the post that's in the ground, which should be the foundation of everything else. So in those cases, make sure your foundation is correct. And that should help you through the hard times. If you are a Christian, if you really believe what the Bible say, well, I don't think some of us really be wanting to believe what the Bible say, or at least not all the stuff that's that's hard to digest at times. No, <laughs> people don't people don't people don't think about that. And so that's why this is the one that I think really needs to be uh, uh, talked about, because this is the one that causes a lot of people to get a divorce. I deserve more. That okay, let's just say you do deserve more. Teach that person how to be that more, especially if they're willing. Because we got a lot of people out here who are willing to go through the fire with us, but we get mad because we've been in the fire too long. It, it, it's not going to work unless you work it. Exactly. You want to come out like pure gold? Exactly. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. But even for this one, right? Think about us. Look, think about First Corinthians thirteen and four. Once again, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always persevere. If you go to verse eight, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know a part in prophesying part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Go down to verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love always perseveres. So in those times where you think you're not happy, and you think you got a reason to get a divorce, you quitting, you, you, you at your wit's end and you ready to leave. Remember, love always perseveres and it is patient. So patience might be five months. Patience might be 30 years. Depends what cross. It depends the cross that you have to carry. Simple. Number four, your spouse should know how to meet all of your needs mm. Mm, I think the kid ain't got a lot to say about that yeah that's the one that got us in trouble a lot <laughs> here you go uh, because I I don't know man I, I guess you just come into stuff and you think well you chose to marry me so I would hope that you and this is I think this is our line of thinking as, as women uh, you chose to marry me or let me not say women let me say Takia. Uh, you chose to marry me. You you wouldn't make a, a decision uh, just fly by the wind. Not this big. So that means you know me. So if you know me, you should know how to make me happy. Simple. You should know how to meet all my needs. You should know exactly what I need when I need it. And I shouldn't have to say nothing. So you're asking another sinner, <laughs> another imperfect person. I'm going to paint the picture. It's clear for you. All right, Picasso. He <laughs> asked another sinner, another imperfect person, another person who can't even get their own life together, right? They messing up when it comes to them to be able to satisfy all your deepest needs to perfection. 
And some people are like, oh, no, not to perfection, just to this, just to that, just to this. I just got a standard. All right, cool. God got a standard, too. And you fail it every single day you wake up. But guess what? God ain't just leave you out to dry. God sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. Someone needs you to go ahead and get on your cross for your spouse. Because they're not meeting the standard that you laid out. Yeah, I think it's important. One of the things that really helped us was uh, the five love languages. Um, knowing your spouse's love language, and it does change over time. Um, as as I, I'll say this, uh, during COVID and um, what is it? Oh, pregnancy, having a baby. Both of our love languages started to change. And so we would take the test uh, just to let the other person know kind of where we were. Um, and, and what I will say is this, it's, it's the, uh, saying things like you should know how to meet my needs is a cop out because we don't want to be vulnerable with our spouse and let them know what we need, because what if they don't want to meet, what if they don't want to do it? What, what if, what if, and I think that's the worst thing we're all, we always look uh, what, what we don't understand is the enemy is always looking for ways to enter into our house to destroy it. And this is one of the biggest ways, especially with women. Um, it used to really make me mad because I would tell Ben stuff and he would forget. And I'd be like, yo, this man just don't care. She swear. Like he forget everything I say. He just don't care. And then after we were married for a significant period of time, I realized this man don't remember nothing. Like, Period. Even with work. And I'm like, Ben is very serious about work. He's never late. You know, it's all that stuff is very serious to him. And then I started to see like, this dude need me to remind him what he got to do today. <laughs> today at work. So it's, it's, um, I started to see that instead of, and we've talked about this before, instead of being his, uh, what is it? The prosecuting attorney, I had to become his advocate and really realize Okay, I gotta. I have to remind my husband that these are some of the things that I need. Right, she was putting your boy on trial. Yeah, he was, and so that was one of the biggest things. Don't use that excuse that they should know what you need, because really, what you're saying is, I don't want to be vulnerable with you. I don't want to open up to you and tell you what I need because you might reject me. And here's the thing: sometimes you're gonna tell your spouse what you need. And there will be rejection, either either because they don't know how to meet that need, either because they don't want to. And I know, you know, these we're telling you the truth so that you can understand what it's like to be married to another human being. There are moments where uh, in, in reality, the reality of our marriage is everybody don't feel like doing everything all the time. And so there are times where, you know. Maybe Ben's coming to me and I'm like, look, I, I have no energy whatsoever for whatever it is that you're asking. And then maybe I'm coming to him and he's like, I have no energy whatsoever for what it is that you're asking right now. Now, is it our responsibility as the spouse who um, knows what the other person needs to kind of come back and do what needs to be done maybe at a later time? We have to accept that people are human. Just because I open my mouth and say, look, man, I'm trying to do this doesn't mean it's, it's not a guarantee 
that it's going to happen when I want it to happen. And I think that's one of the ways we set ourselves up for failure. When we're looking at our spouse, like, look, I need this right now. And not realizing, just like how you're living, like me, uh, I got Aubrey all day running around with her, doing whatever it is that she needs. And then Ben, on the other hand, is at work and doing stuff. And so when we, the, the time when we come together, it's not always going to be a time um, to do necessarily what the other person wants. Sometimes they just want to chill. I just want to chill. <laughs> and so we have to leave room for that. Well, I just hate that, boy. I hate what? Well, I just want to chill. Oh, no, I don't mind you chilling. I yeah. know what you're talking about. Now she don't mind you no more with that first, boy. Oh, yeah. That's since he was doing absolutely nothing. I just want to chill. He was yeah. doing nothing, and he needed to do something. I mean, I still be doing nothing. Oh, yeah, you do. But we got a lot going on right now, so nothing. Let's just say you qualify to do nothing now before you needed to be doing something. Ooh wee. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, boy, she a trip. Well, I think um, I want to touch on that five love languages part because that was a thing and still is a thing that helps us tremendously in our relationship. If you haven't heard of the five love languages, it's a book. Um, written by Gary Chapman, and the premise of the book is quite simple. It's different people with different personalities give and receive love in different ways by learning to recognize those preferences in yourself and in your spouse. You can uh, learn to identify the root conflicts and connect better and also grow closer, right? And of course, like hinted in the name five there's five love languages that gary chapman lays out in his book um i'll just give you a quick synopsis of each one and maybe you and your spouse can start talking about these ultimately but i suggest you take the test on the five love languages.com website we also have an app right where that you and your spouse can connect with each other and you can retake the test at any moment and it'll send your new test results to your spouse. You do that. Um, that, that can help. And also you can just read the book and see what, uh, Mr. Chapman lays out for people to do, but we have acts of service for those people. Actions speak louder than words. Sometimes you may be trying to buy your spouse something and they're looking for you to go clean the kitchen. That's what they want. They got receiving gifts for some people. Receiving a heartfelt gift, a heartfelt gift, is what makes them feel most loved. Some people want the gifts, and the most more expensive the gift, the more you love them. That's that person's love language. Don't call that person materialistic because they like gifts. Man. How about you go give them a gift? You don't not love nobody. That's what they should say. <laughs> you don't not love me. Because you so caught up on the fact that my love language ain't yours. Because I would assume someone who believes that a person is materialistic because they like receiving gifts. That person's love language is not receiving gifts. That person's love language may be something like quality time, which leads us to our next one. Quality time. This language is all about giving the person your undivided attention. While you may like quality time, the other person may want to receive gifts. Okay, It's all about giving the other person the love language that they receive the best uh, another one is words of affirmation the list, this language uses words to affirm other people 
So you may have somebody that unless you telling them how great they are, then you don't love them. In their eyes, in their eyes, you don't love them. They want you to tell them how great they are. All right. So you need to be affirming their words every uh, chance you get. Or using words of affirmation every chance you get. And the last one is physical touch. To this person, nothing speaks more deeply than appropriate physical touch. We're not talking about just boom, boom in the bedroom. Appropriate physical touch. Exactly. Say appropriate. Public displays of affection can (laughs) count in this category. Okay. Holding hands, hugging, little smooches, goodbye in the morning. Really? Kiss on the forehead. <laughs> I hate that voice, y'all. Things, <laughs> things like that. All those things can count as appropriate physical touch. Yeah. But yeah, that's just a quick, you know, quick rundown of the five love languages. And I, and I think it'll save some people because you know, I think a lot of a lot of what I got before I got married was you are so needy. Like you're just what is wrong with you? Like you always need my time. And so it was honestly one of the most freeing things when I took this test and realized that quality time was my love language. And each person defines, you know, what that looks like. For me, when we first got married, quality time looked like no distractions. You know, just me and you talking or, or In watching. The dark room. Quiet, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Me, you, dark room. Talking. Well, yeah, with music or Hours. little lights or whatever. Now quality time is like, yo. When you come in the house, you know, as long as we in the room, I'll be in between us. Like, you doing your thing, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> I'll be you know, crawling on everybody's head. Yeah, and, and exactly. <laughs> pulling hair. Like, it, it's <laughs> changed. But that's one of the biggest things that I will say really, really freed me because I honestly thought something was wrong with me. Like, and other people thought something was wrong with me, too, because when we were dating, it was a big thing. Like, you know, we would spend time together, but we would be like at church or at events. And so I'm looking for when you get off work, when I when I get off work, you know, what we doing? And he looking like, well, I'm going to bed or I'm going to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you know, trying to explain that to people is like she just needy. No, it was just that was my love language. My love language was quality time. And and just like you said, for the person whose love language is gifts, do not call them materialistic. Do not beat people down because of how they receive love. That is absolutely the worst thing you can do to another person. Um, even, you know, uh, when we first took the test, Ben's love language was physical touch. Don't make nobody feel like they're a pervert because they want to, I didn't do this to him, but I know some of y'all be like, he's just nasty. That's, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's appropriate physical touch. And so for me, you know, one of the biggest things uh, when we first got married was when I when I would get off work, now Ben would get off work before me. I would get off work, and and I would come in the house, and Ben just wanted to hug, and I'm like, yo, <laughs> like, can I breathe? Can I, you know, I literally I walk in the door the way our apartment was set up. The room, uh, was right in the back, so he poke his little head out, <laughs> he like <laughs> trying to hug me, and I'm like, bad good. Can I, I need a shower, like I need, you know, so, um, 
it's bigger than just and those hugs didn't lead to to sex all the time so what i'm trying to get you to see is it's bigger than just sex it, with, with the people who love with physical touch so don't make people feel bad for how they receive love uh take this test get to know your spouse exactly exactly all right Moving on to number five, it looks like we won't get through all 10 today, but we'll definitely get through them in a second part. But number five, divorce is always an easy option. That's a lie. Divorce breaks the heart of God. Boy, look, hey, y'all might, y'all might be ready to give up. Y'all might be like, oh, yeah, let's go ahead, dust our hands off each other. But what about the third person who's involved in the marriage? Yeah. And and I think it's important that we say it like this because, you know, we've talked about it. We've joked about it. But um, when you when you severed that that tie, God is absolutely heartbroken. And so, you know, getting off the whole I know it's hard to keep commitments. I know it's hard to live through certain things. But that's something that God was truly invested in. And so when you break it, there are a lot, there's a death. There, there is something that, that happens that something dies because, and that's the thing, people don't really realize how serious a covenant is. It's almost like, so when you get married, um, they say two become one. It's almost like trying to tear fresh flesh apart. That that's literally what happens because God uh, in God's eyes, you you have become one, mm. and 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 if especially if there are kids involved, you know there are kids out here who are suffering because their parents got divorced. And I know you may look at it like, no, we had an amicable divorce. You know, me and my spouse we really get along, and you know, so my kid is fine. That kid is probably heartbroken because now you know you you try to paint the picture. I've seen it all the time. Well, you get two Christmases now, Johnny. And Johnny's like, no, I just want the one with both of y'all. Hey, look, now that I think about it, like that's when you hear about horror stories from divorce, the parents can get off cool, but really it's them kids, man. Especially if y'all, if y'all got kids, y'all better go ahead and work that out. Oh. It's, it, yeah. And, and keep it healthy too. You know, when I, when we say work it out, we're not saying, uh, we are not, we are not at all advocating, uh, keeping your marriage bad. We are absolutely saying do the work that needs to be done because of divorce and, and people who are just arguing around their kids all the time. Both of those are bad. Both of those are it's it's horrible. But I really want to put emphasis on the fact that, you know, when it's it's it, the world has made it such a. A simple process, if you will, that to finalize it, you just sign a paper and you and you go. You're separate. Now I say simple with understanding that, of course, you got to work out who gets what and all that stuff. But the end of a marriage is as simple as signing a piece, a piece of paper. Exactly. We've what we've done is taken out the spiritual aspect of marriage and only made it a, a government <laughs> binding yeah. agreement between two people in the government. And it never was. The government has replaced God with themselves. And now we see marriage as only only as a social contract between two individuals and the government. But in reality, our viewpoint on marriage as Christians should be a spiritual covenant between two people and God. 
Yeah. But see, we don't look at it that way. Yeah. And that's what makes it easier for us to commit to seg- severing ties with our spouse because we try to ignore the spiritual ramifications at every turn. And we know that is not the way it should be. Marriage is definitely a spiritual covenant more so than it is a uh, physical contract. Yeah. And let's go, go go ahead. No, go ahead. Let's look at it like this. And this is something that most churches don't teach. Um, I'm, and I'm going to believe they don't teach it because they don't know. Um, when you have sex with someone, um, which is what happens in marriage. And, you know, if you got kids, you might want to pause it right here. But when you have an orgasm, there is a bonding agent that is released. And so you are literally becoming bonded with that person. And so, and, and that was, that was by design. That is, that is literally what God wanted. So all of that bonding, and then you go sign a piece of paper and and go your separate ways. But there are things that have been ingrained in you that a piece of paper can't touch. That piece of paper is not going to unbond you to that person. Exactly. We, and it's simple. Like we believe that these, these pieces of paper can change spiritual can uh, no. affect spiritual consequences. No, you That's simply not the case. Yeah, you look at it. So you two come together and you create a child. So it's a piece of you and it's a piece of them. That's what happens. Now, of course, we understand that happens outside of marriage because people have sex outside of marriage. But when you're married, or when you're when you're having sex with someone and this is going a totally different direction, but uh it's so personal that you create life together. Well, of course, we know God creates life. You understand what I'm saying? And I do that because I don't want nobody to be like, she was up there saying that we can create life. And But <laughs> that's what happens. And so when you, when you walk away, it's like you're not even realizing all the beauty that God had in, in that marriage. And the kids are affected. Exactly. The kids, shoot, man, them kids probably affected the most. You see, you could hear, you hear so many horror stories of kids who were products of divorced marriages and they grow up with so many mental and psychological mm-hmm. issues due to the divorce. Um, these stories are written in media all the time. You yeah. hear people tell their stories all the time. Oh, I will never get divorced because I went through that as a child. And I know the harmful effects that that has on the entire family. Yeah. Mommy and daddy fighting. The kids choose sides. Mm. The kids just want it to be like the old days. And then you have situations where now you have to work in a blended family because the parents seldomly just stay divorced. Yeah. They usually always find a new partner to create a new family with. Yeah. And that has an entirely new dynamic. Ooh. Yeah. And provides its own set of issues yeah. that have to be dealt with. Yeah, you got to think about it. Let's just say you get divorced when your kid is five. You're still young. You're still out here living your best life. You're going to get what you deserve. You find you a new man. Y'all have kids. And guess what? The stepchild, your number one, and, and this is this is real. You're, now you got one kid in the house who don't have the same last name as everybody else. You got one kid in the house or, or two, however many kids you have from the previous marriage that doesn't get to experience mommy and daddy being in the house together, but the other kids do. 
People are so concerned with their own happiness that they don't realize the damage they are doing to the next generation. Exactly. I mean, I just thinking about that, like, especially if you have um, just one, maybe two kids, let's say both parents remarry and then start families mm. and grow again. When those kids are with whichever prospective parent, they're the outcast in both yeah. families because like we said, you know, the, the other kids in the house have both mommy and daddy. Yeah. But the kids that are from the previous relationship, they just have mommy or they just have daddy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, there are a litany of consequences that happen when people get a divorce. Yeah, death happens. I think that's the, the, the easiest. The, the way to really paint the picture is when you get a divorce, death happens. And then there is a tearing apart. There is Ooh. always somebody there's always going to be a piece of you left with the other person and vice versa. I don't care what nobody says. What God has brought together, let no man tear apart. There is always going to be something that you leave with that ex. And that ex is going to take that into their next relationship. Yep. There are always going to be mental, emotional, psychological consequences and traumas that have to be dealt with. And some can be lifelong. You can go and proceed to live a relatively healthy life. And at 80 years old, if you were divorced before, you may still be thinking about the decision that you made, hoping that you don't regret it. Divorce. And also, let's just talk about divorce being stressful, like having to divide up all the finances, having to divide up the children. Chest up. Child support. (laughs) Where you going to live? What if one spouse was uh, a stay-at-home spouse and the other spouse was the breadwinner? Think about spousal support. There are all these things that have to be ironed out in a divorce. So if you ever decide to get a divorce, I hope and pray that you have done your due diligence and done your spiritual homework to make sure that the process goes as smoothly as possible. Which doesn't exist because every divorce has a level of stress added to it, even if both sides are amicable and reasonable with each other. There's going to become a point in time where there's tension in the process of breaking up such a huge spiritual covenant. Go to the ends of the earth for your spouse. Uh, God did everything he could to make sure that our relationship with him was secure. He went out of his way. God could have simply just wiped everybody out and said, you know what? I I don't have to do this. Do you know how easy it would have been for him to just wipe everybody out? And instead of him taking the easy way out and doing that, and when I say wipe everybody out, I mean not leave Noah. I mean everybody. Because some people might say, well, he did because he killed all them people and no, no, he could have killed Noah too and been like, you know what? You're around him. So just, just by default, you got to go. That, that would have been so easy for him to do. Instead of him doing that, there is a love story that we read where he is always finding us. People, I want you to understand this. Uh, read Jose. I think that's how you say it. It's a short book in the Bible. Where God literally tells a man to marry a prostitute. Mm. And she goes and prostitutes herself. And he tells the man every time, go get her. Don't divorce her. 
And I want you to understand, she was cheating on him. God told him, do not go, do not divorce her. Go and get her. Go to the very place where she um, completely just hurt you. Go to the very place where she looked at your, basically just spit on y'all's commitment and go and get her. This is the same God that also said that if someone commits adultery, you can give them a contract of divorce. So understand, just like we always say, that is not in his perfect design. No. He said that because of our hardened hearts. Yeah. Go ahead. His perfect design is for us to go and get our spouse. Exactly. I want you to understand this too, because a lot of us who have been hurt by our spouse get caught up in this trap of, well, you hurt me. You don't want who need to figure it out. Very rarely does the person who hurt you have the, uh, the ability, the time. Well, they got time. But very rarely do they have the ability to hurt you because usually somebody hurts you because they are hurting. And so I think God was trying to paint this picture of to, to help us understand the marriage. When somebody hurts us, we usually are the person who has to go and get them. Mm. Do you know how how much humility it took for Jose to walk? Now, and they had kids together. For him to walk into whatever it is, whatever they used to call it back then, um, and get his wife and take her back home and still lay with her, knowing she had been with other people. And God told him to do this. And some people might say, oh, that's torture. That's, a, that's love. <laughs> that's, that's the side of love nobody wants to talk about. Oh, you said it's torture, huh? Kind of like what Christ endured on the cross. He didn't have to. That's the thing. For I, love. Humility. He humbled himself. He did not have to come down here and live amongst us. It's like this. Uh, when you see somebody who, uh, I want you to think about sin like this. Because I think sometimes we just look at sin like, yeah, you know, I just did something God didn't want me to do. Um, God can't be in the presence of sin. It's almost like being around somebody who had leprosy. I want you to think about somebody who has the most infectious disease ever. And, and you can see it. It's, it's alive on their body and sitting in a room with them. That's, that's essentially what Jesus did for 33 years and then died. So, so he sat in that room with all this infectious disease, sin, something that breaks the heart of his father for years and taught us the way and then died a horrific death and rose for us. And you can't figure out how to make your marriage work? No, nah, I can't. I got to go. And it, that's, that's the thing, because I see it all the time. There are these people out here who say, uh, you know, I left my, my first husband or my first wife because they won't treat me right. And now I got somebody who, who do me good and buy me flowers and, and do everything that I like. And it's like, well, we could clearly understand why you got married. It's all about you. Uh. We clearly understand what you was looking for. You were not looking for ministry because that's exactly what marriage is. You were, you were not looking to minister to anyone else. You were looking to be ministered to. Mm. And it's very one-sided. That's all you wanted. You wanted somebody that was going to minister to you all the time. You didn't want to have to deal with the fact that you would have to minister back to the other person. You didn't want that. And so this is not, we're not being judgmental, y'all. We're just trying to help you see, because I think people don't, people don't talk about it enough, how 
you can make it work. Will it will it feel like <laughs> I say this sometimes, will it feel like the other person is probably moving like a snail? Absolutely. And that's on both sides because it took me a while to get some of the stuff down that I know didn't need it. And it's the same way, vice versa. Does it hurt? Absolutely. But it's worth it. Listen, those moments where it's just me, my husband, and my daughter, it's a huge thing to be able to give her something that I didn't have. It's a huge thing to be able to give the next generation something better than than what you got to experience. And that don't come easy. No, I don't. It's hard work. So um, it's important that we think about these things. Yeah. Think about them, folks. So that was the first five. We're going to get to the next five on part two of this episode. But until the next time, I was your host, Benjamin Atkin, and I was accompanied by my lovely co-host, Takia Atkins. And this is the Atkins Family Podcast. We'll see you next time, folks.